0: Welcome to Episode 9 of the Ideas Into Action Podcast. I'm your host, Hamza Khan. That's not Khan, it's not Can, it's Khan from the Epiglottis. And our producer is Kwaku Ajimang, a.k.a. Kwaku On Air, a.k.a. RSU Russell Westbrook. The man secured 1,219 votes to win the coveted VP education position within the Ryerson Students' Union numbers on the board. Congratulations man. Now I'm getting a little nervous as we approach the 10 episode milestone for this podcast. I mean just 10 episodes ago we had this nebulous idea of an entertaining take on productivity and peak performance and now here we are. Ideas into action. Seriously thank you so much for sticking around through the first of these 25 warm-up episodes that will comprise the pilot season. And with the help of our illustrious guests Kwaku and I along with a team of people behind the scenes are continuously tinkering with the formula. You'll notice, for instance, today that we've reduced the amount of questions in the performance point segment, all to keep things flowing better. Our goal with these experiments is very simple, to create the optimal listening experience for you. Something structured but not boring, something light but not fluffy, and ultimately something interesting and entertaining that hooks you up with real, valuable, and actionable insights. On that note, my friends, our guest today is a high-performing account executive at Fix Software, one of the fastest-growing tech companies in Canada. If I left his title at that, I'd be doing y'all a huge disservice. Jonathan Andrews is a youth mental health advocate who is regularly on the road delivering inspiring talks to students in elementary schools through to post-secondary institutions. Having overcome clinical depression himself, he's on a mission to impact the lives of millions of young people through his writing and speaking. His ultimate goal is to create stronger communities by navigating students successfully through the mistakes he made while in school. In this episode, we talked about waking up early, lessons from sports, and overcoming depression. We also discuss sleep rituals, time management, and the importance of routines. Now, I know these topics might seem dry, but that's the great thing about this podcast. We always keep the conversation entertaining with stories, jokes, and deep dives into what makes these high performers tick. Friends, give it up for the 5am hustle. Jonathan Andrews. Jonathan Andrews. Thank you for being here, brother. Happy to be here. This is super exciting. And right off the bat, for all the Ideas into Action guests, we present a gift on behalf of the mm. podcast. So we got a very special gift for you, sir. I really appreciate that. We've got a copy of Robin Sharma's The 5AM Club. <laughs> That's all yours. Have you read it before? I haven't. Okay, fantastic. i, I was heard afraid. A lot about it. What'd you hear about it?
1: Well, I get asked all the time if <laughs> I read this book and also I think some of the prompts on Waking Up at 5 was Jocko Willink. Yes. And then also I had watched a lot of videos by Robin on YouTube probably two or three years ago, and he was talking about the... 20 by 20 by 20 routine that it uses in the morning. I'm guessing that's in
0: the book. It's in the book and I actually have a request to go to a certain page over there. Go to page 206 if you don't mind.
1: 206.
0: What's interesting is that the 5 a.m. club is not a novel concept by any means. I mean, this has been around for as long as I can imagine. I mean, there's probably people who were waking up at 5 a.m. right from the Mm get-go. But what Robin Sharma seems to have done is he seems to have really leaned into it and just made it his thing. Yeah, uh, I think he's the unofficial president of the Five, 5 A.M. Club. Fantastic. When did you get your Five A.M. Club membership, by the way?
1: The first time I ever considered waking up at five a.m. was when I lived at my nana's house. Okay. And that was in 2016.
0: And your nana's your mother's mother, mother's your mother. grandmother. Okay. Exactly. Yeah, no, a little I, bit of Italian. Yeah, yeah.
1: I worked full time. Uh, so I was going to school full time in Barrie. Yeah. I was going to Georgian College in their entrepreneurship program. And it was a funny story. I met the CEO of my current company at an event right before I graduated. And I was going there to get some mentorship about public speaking. And it was a, like a round table discussion for like speed dating where you would meet a mentor, spend 15 minutes with them, and then you would move on. And when I first got there, the guy that I wanted to meet, his name was Chad Ballantyne. Mm-hmm. And he was the host of the creative space. And I got there, and he was talking to this man that I had never met. And I walked in, and for some reason, I don't know, all of my tact and my good manners went out the window, because I was like, <laughs> I want to talk to Chad.
0: Yeah.
1: I interrupted their conversation. I like basically used body language to like shuffle him out of the way. It's like, and hey, started.
0: I'm the priority now. <laughs> exactly.
1: <laughs> I was like, let's talk, Chad. Yeah. And this guy I'd never met, he backed up and he left. Oh, shit. Turns out he was one of the mentors. I didn't get to connect with him because there was one table left before I got there and it ended. Uh, I'm leaving because I got what I needed and this guy, he interrupts me at the door and he says, hey kid, (laughs) you looking for a job?
0: Oh shit.
1: Not what I was expecting. Yeah, (laughs) Uh, He said, you looking for a job? I'm the CEO of a company called Fix Software Mm -hmm. and uh, I'm looking for salespeople right now, so uh, what are you doing? And I said, I'm about to graduate, that sounds incredible. And I'd never considered living in Toronto and then I remembered, hey, my grandma lives in Toronto. My nona lives in Toronto. So let me go see if they'll they'll have me. And they did. And I was there for nine months. And at the time, we talked about Jocko Willink. Mm-hmm. That was when I was first introduced to Jocko on Tim Ferriss' podcast. Right. And that was extremely inspiring for mm-hmm. me. And I could talk to you a little bit more about my backstory and why I connected so deeply with that. But... I started waking up at 5 a.m., and partially it was because the commute was pretty long to get to work, Mm -hmm. but more importantly, so that I
0: could attack the day. I love that, attack the day, and waking up early and getting that nice four-hour runway on the rest Mm -hmm. of the world, before the rest of the world even wakes up and arrives at their desk. You've got this unadulterated just runway of time that allows you to do whatever you want and Absolutely. essentially prepare yourself and prime yourself to attack the day. And on page 206 of the book, you see mm-hmm. the twenty twenty yes. twenty rule outlined, which essentially, as I understand it, is a way to batch together 20 or string together 20 um, minute chunks or 20 minute intervals mm-hmm. comprised of three, what, what does he call them? He calls them pockets. And within each of the pockets, there's different types of activities with all of their benefits listed over there. Mm -hmm. Go to Pocket Mm 1 and uh, do me a favor and read out the list in the what section of Pocket 1, the exercises that Robin Sharma recommends doing as soon as you wake up.
1: Pocket 1, 5 a.m. to 5.20, move. Intense exercise, sweat hard, learn, hydrate, and breathe deeply.
0: Let me ask you, do you agree with that? Absolutely. So what does the first 20 minutes of your day look like?
1: The first 20 minutes is very similar okay. to what this describes, except for I typically extend the movement beyond 20 minutes. I don't see personally, and I'm not saying that I, I disagree completely with the philosophy here, but like the, what works for me is I like to be moving for at least an hour. So I'll wake up. I'll drink water, go to the bathroom, do that stuff. Yeah. And then fortunately, my gym's a five-minute walk from where I live. Amazing! So I'll go outside, I'll walk over. It's usually really dark.
0: Yeah,
1: I uh, get to the gym and, and move for a full hour before coming home to have breakfast.
0: Do you like going to the gym? Do you like the process of being at the gym? Or do you like the result that comes after going through the strenuous exercise that happens within it? Good question. I think... Because I hate going to the gym. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. But I love the feeling afterwards.
1: Yeah. I'd say the philosophy that you're describing of do you like the work or do you like the results Mm. in the gym is translatable to everything you do in life it's like when I build a garden do I like de-weeding and watering and pruning the leaves of my tomato plants or do I like eating the vegetables it's the same thing with this podcast did you like doing all the preparation needed to prepare you for this moment so that it's effective for your listeners or do you like when you get the praise afterwards that it was effective And uh, the question that I ask myself is, is it possible to get the reward without the work? That's interesting. And the answer is no.
0: Yeah, you know what? In in putting together the brief for this podcast and thinking about the questions I was going to ask you, it was a fun process, but it was a little tedious as well. Mm -hmm. So I wouldn't say that I... I uh, enjoyed it. Uh, I enjoyed 100% of the process. But I think there might be a difference between, you know, your art and your design, essentially, right? The design is what you do for clients and for other people, and art's mm. what you do for yourself. And so I treat this podcast very much like an art. But I understand the philosophy that you described over here. What do you typically do in the gym? What kind of workouts do you do? Yeah, I would
1: say mine is going to be very different than most people's. I would love to go into the gym and deadlift and squat and lift weights and do push-ups and pull-ups. Mm-hmm.
0: The Italian workout. Yeah, exactly.
1: <laughs> Building a, a foundation of strength. Yeah. Strength's really important, but I I don't know if you know this about me, but I used to be a national athlete.
0: And you started when you were thirteen, is that right?
1: Yeah. The first time I ever went into a, a gymnastic studio was when I was seven. What? And so it was like leading up to doing national trampoline for a year when I was thirteen was, you know, six, seven years of work. God but damn. that said, I injured myself really badly when I was eighteen years old. And I was doing deadlifts in the gym, and I don't know if it was a combination of bad form or if I was fatigued or what it was. But I pulled some muscles in my abdomen right underneath my ribcage, and it moved all the way down to my hip flexor. Oh, no. And if that wasn't bad enough, I'm sure you can relate to having an ego yeah. and not wanting to rest mm-hmm. and pushing through pain. Yeah. And what I decided to do is instead of take the time necessary to heal, the next three days, I was back in the gym as if it never happened. And I pulled muscles in my shoulder, in my chest, in my, my lats, in my triceps. And to this day, it became a chronic injury. And I've been working on the recovery and rehab on that for the last five years. Holy shit. So when I go to the gym, it's more on the lines of, like, what did my physio give me? What did my personal trainer give me? I started doing personal training three months ago. I have not touched a weight in three months.
0: Oh, brother, you look fantastic, I got to say, man. Thank you. Whatever you're doing is clearly working, but, you know. Vegetables. (laughs) It's all about the diet, isn't it? Yes, it it is. I I can't even imagine what it's like to step into that world at the age of seven and then go pro as you came close to 13 Mm -hmm. and then persist throughout that. Do you feel like you skipped parts of a normal childhood or teenage development?
1: I'm happy you asked that cuz I I think about that all the time.
0: And how would you all even the know? Time. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I the way that we trained was it would be typically anywhere from like 3 to 5 hours a day and it would be 5 days a week. And so what that meant for a 7-year-old to a 13-year-old was before school you would train. Yeah. And then you would go to school and then you wouldn't do homework because it didn't matter what mattered was training so we would go back to the gym and then we would spend another 2 3 hours and because with gymnastics there's so many disciplines it you needed to have that much time i would love to have said that i was just like on the ice as an example for an yeah. hour playing hockey but in this case i had to practice pommel horse i had to do vault i had to do floor i had to do high bars parallel bars rings and so you needed to spend 35 you know of you know course, an hour if you want to master something you got to do a lot of it right exactly so i don't feel like i got that like I said, we were talking before the interview. I never picked up an instrument. I feel like I missed out on a lot of those like early social skills. Like I haven't had a sense of humor, like my entire life. I don't find that. I don't. I, f- I don't believe that for I a second, appreciate sir. I appreciate that. We'll talk. We could talk about like influences, like friends and family yeah. that have helped me cultivate that over time. Like my roommate Ian.
0: Mm-hmm. Shout out to
1: Ian. Shout out to <laughs> yo Ian. If you're listening to this, <laughs> we better, love. Man. We love you, man. Uh, he's been. And a couple other friends like Abdu and, you know, John Connell, they have incredible sense of humor. Mm -hmm. And I've found I've been drawn to them because it's something that I've wanted to learn. So the things that I feel like I missed out on because I did, I'm trying now to be able to pick those back up. My frontal lobe's not developed completely yet, so I still have time.
0: That's so interesting, man. And, uh, you know, did you love what you were doing at the time? And the reason I ask that is because Mm. I I believe that mastery of anything requires you to love it. Because if you don't love it, you're not going to do a lot of it. And if you don't do a lot of it, you're never going to get good at it. Did you love competing? Did you love gymnastics? I definitely love competing. Mm. I love competition.
1: I think it brings out the best in you. You hear all the time. It's the pressure that creates the diamond. Absolutely. Iron
0: sharpens iron, man.
1: Absolutely. And when I look back to spending the time in the gym... And the reasons why I stopped doing gymnastics is because exactly what you said, I didn't love what I was doing. It's funny because we'll find that we have something that we're intrinsically really good at. We're very natural. As an example, gymnastics was something that came very naturally to me. Right. Uh, and as an example, another example is hockey. When I quit doing trampoline and gymnastics, I started playing hockey. And I would work really hard, but I would never be as good as the other players on my team. And I And you can see how I loved hockey, and that's why I was playing it, but I didn't have that natural ability that I did when I was in gymnastics. So if I had this self-awareness when I was younger to say, hey, I'm actually really good at this. If I dedicated the time and energy and focus, I could be world-class. I didn't have that option in hockey.
0: It's so interesting you say that. I used to work with somebody by the name of Kristen who listens to this podcast right now. Kristen, when we first interviewed her for Splash Effect, she said she's a retired athlete. Okay. She was like twenty-two or twenty-three. I'm like, yep. What are you talking about? A retired athlete? Like you had this whole life, this whole career before you showed up here, bright-eyed and bushy-tailed, mm-hmm. ready to work in the in the wild world of marketing. And uh, I remember we had a candid conversation where she said that I'm glad that I did that. I'm glad that I participated in competitive figure skating. Yeah. Uh, it taught me a whole host of lessons, and I was able to really rehearse, a, you know, multiple scenarios that have carried me with me throughout my life. But um, I could have only done it for that window of time where I was in my physical prime. And it was hard for me to wrap my head around that concept until I took a broader view at sports in general. I've Mm. become really invested into the business of sports, the philosophy of Mm -hmm. sports, and it's true. There's a window of time where you have to go for it. You have to go for all. You have to go for it all in. And I feel like you did that. You went. You you did the best that you could with the time that you have. Do you feel that way?
1: Yeah, for sure. I think about sports in a couple ways now. Uh, One of the challenges with being an athlete is that becomes part of your identity and your label when I injured myself, it was so shattering to my self-esteem because this is the person that I am. It's how you made meaning, right? Exactly, and I can't I can't do a push-up anymore. Jeez. I can't do a pull-up. All the things that I loved doing that brought me joy and all these positive emotions, it was now stripped away. And so be careful, A, of putting those labels on yourself and that's why we talked about before this podcast why I'm exploring so many other possibilities. But the reason why sports is so important, but it could be any discipline, is like committing to a specific discipline builds a foundation of work ethic and commitment and consistency and all the skills and character traits needed to become an effective entrepreneur, father, salesman, whatever you decide to do. So it's the foundation of those disciplines better translatable to
0: the rest of your life. I love that you, you touched on identity over there, and I think about this quote a lot from LeBron James who said that I'm not a basketball player. I'm a guy who plays basketball. Mm. And it made a lot of sense to me in the moment, but the more time I've had away from that quote, I started to reflect and err on the side of what you just said right now, mm-hmm. which is you have to get obsessed with it. It has to become the thing that you do. It has to become a part of your life. And so maybe looking back, it might be unfair for LeBron James to say that he's a guy who played basketball because at one point in his life, he was a basketball player. He yeah. leaned all in. Yeah. Am I wrong over here? Do you have to get obsessed with the craft? Do you have to get really into becoming the athlete? Do you have to let it consume you? Do you have to put on that bat bat suit and say, I'm Batman, I'm not Bruce Wayne? Like, for the listeners,
1: they need to consider from my perspective what they want out of it. Okay. Do they want to be world class? world-class only comes from obsession it's the only way but if they're happy to be effective and productive and doing well relative to the vision they have for themselves then you don't you don't need to be obsessed no you don't have to do that you can have you can go dancing you can spend a lot of time with your family you can enjoy other pursuits for fun but if you decide this is going to be my thing i'm going to be world-class no one's going to be better than me. No one's going to outwork me. Then, absolutely, you need to be obsessed. Uh, Ian and I's favorite DJ is a guy named Armin Van Buren.
0: Yo, shout out to uh, Armin Van yeah, Buren. Yeah, Armin.
1: Okay. And, you know, we see in the same thing with like Martin Garrix, as an yes. example, other DJs like that, and LeBron James. Yep. Anyone that's world class. great. Yeah. You'll see that it, from an early age, that was the pursuit. That was the pursuit. And it was just day in and day out an obsession where everything else faded away and it wasn't important anymore. They didn't have any peripherals. It was tunnel vision of this is my focus and I'm going to dedicate my life to becoming world-class. If you have, that's the mindset you have. If you want to be world-class, that's the only
0: option. But is the price that you pay for that, and I totally agree, is the price that you pay for that um, when things go wrong, when you burn out, when you experience an injury that lets you not do any push-ups anymore... Mm That sense of identity comes into question. you start to doubt who it is that you are because you're so wrapped up in this idea of Jonathan Andrews as a competitive world class athlete, and the one that stops being true, what does that do to the mind?
1: It depends on the context that you hold.
0: so in your case, you could you had to stop competing. yeah, yeah. what happened next?
1: The interesting thing about personal philosophy is it's going to change over time. Looking back at 13-year-old Jonathan that quit athletics or quit trampoline, being a national athlete, I understand why he would have done that. I don't have any regrets, and I don't have any resentment to the decisions that he made. Like, I was 13 years old. I was 13. But what's valuable now is I can reflect on those experiences and say to myself, if this situation happens again, will I react the same? Make different decisions. How will I approach that context? So, I think that reference experience is really valuable. And sure, could I have been an Olympic trampolinist? There's the possibility for that, but I won't dwell on what could have been. Instead, you have to extrapolate as many lessons as possible out of that and then apply them today. Because if you don't apply
0: the lessons from the past, then in my opinion, you'll be considered stupid. Absolutely, brother. Uh, I'd love to get into a new segment of the podcast that we've only done for the last two or three episodes. It's called the Halo Skull Segment. Did you play Halo back in the day? I played Halo. You played Halo, so you know all about the Halo Skulls, right? absolutely. Fantastic. So we've designed a custom skull modifier just for you. For every guest, we come up with a skull modifier to put you in some difficult situations that are going to be awkward, might require you to step way outside of your comfort zone. But if you participate in the Skull Challenge, you become eligible to win the uh, guest of the year, WWE belt, which we're gonna announce in November, December. So I gotta ask your permission first. Would you like to activate the skull?
1: The man that I've always wanted to be is a man who seeks discomfort. Sign me up. Gang, gang, let's do this.
0: (laughs) This right here is the halo skull. We gotta come up with a name for this skull over here and the game that we have for you today is called Doctor Please Fuck My Shit Up. (laughs) (laughs) How this works is there's only two cards in here. Mm -hmm. And you draw a card, and we're going to do a bit of role-playing. At first, I'm going to be the doctor. You're going to be the patient. Mm -hmm. And depending on which card you pull out, you're going to read the statement as the patient on the card. Mm -hmm. And then I have two minutes to answer the question that you're going to ask me. Mm -hmm. The question is about morning habits and night habits. It's about waking up and owning the day and Mm -hmm. sleeping so that you can optimize your sleep and wake up refreshed the next day. The challenge, though, because we're going to spend the rest of this podcast talking about good habits, is we have to give each other the worst advice possible. Okay. So if you draw the card for sleep, for instance, then I have to give you the worst sleep advice possible. And if you draw the card for mornings, then I have to give you the worst morning advice possible. And we got two minutes to do that. Ready to do this? Straightforward. Boom. Pick a card. Let me pull out my timer here.
1: Doctor, please fuck my shit
0: up. (laughs) Okay. I'm going to set this timer for two minutes. And uh, we're going to go. So you are the patient, I'm the doctor, and I have two minutes to give you the worst advice possible. Go.
1: Dr. Khan. (laughs) Yes. I've got a serious problem. Oh, no. I'm having amazing mornings, (laughs) and I can't take it anymore. Please fuck my shit up.
0: (laughs) Sorry. I I forgot that we have to try not to laugh or smile throughout this. So we have to be totally deadpan, and that's a challenge. So let's try this again one more time. Mr. Andrews, welcome. Doctor. Yes. I've got a serious
1: problem. I'm having amazing mornings, and I can't take it anymore. Please fuck my shit up.
0: (laughs) Say no more, fam. (laughs) Uh, The first thing you want to do is not set an alarm. So definitely don't wake up at the same time every single day. Um, And when you do wake up, Uh, the first thing I want you to do is reach for your phone and just bombard yourself with some blue light. Mm. So open up Instagram right away. uh, Scroll down and see what kind of uh, banal updates happened while you were asleep. Never you know, about j- that. just just refresh the feeds and just double tap check check all your DMs. don't just check one of your DMs check all of them okay uh, make sure you're overwhelmed with as much information as soon as you wake up and then uh, you definitely want to open up your inbox read your emails and uh, I would encourage you to read the difficult emails when you wake up and mm-hmm. do this all while you're still in bed okay okay so uh, stress yourself out right away as soon as you wake up then um, I would encourage you to skip breakfast skip skip anything that's high in protein. Uh, Cause I really want you to have a terrible day. I want you to really, <laughs> I, I want, <laughs> I want you to, your cognitive function to be as diminished as possible. Also water. Let's, let's, let's not do that anymore. You know, just, what's a better alternative? Um, I would say coffee, just the strongest coffee you can get. Just espresso. Just yep. take it straight. Just intravenously. Just mm-hmm. if you can. <laughs> and, um, definitely don't have a game plan for the day. Right. Uh, you want to rush out the door you want to be as overwhelmed so I would say the preparation that you make before you walk out the door within the last five minutes decide what you want to do and then just head out and kind of wing it you know mm-hmm.
1: um, doc this is thorough
0: yeah you know I've really I've re- really given a lot of thought to your situation over here. If, if you truly want to fuck your shit up uh, you should definitely be as as chaotic as possible but I can't I, I can't stress enough starting your day with overwhelm um, Obsess about the things that are really going to stress you out. And don't give them much thought. Uh, <laughs> that was very tough, man. I I was like just questioning every belief that I had about waking up in the morning and trying to find the inverse for that. Yeah. Now it's your turn, sir. You ready okay. to do this? Okay. Oh, I appreciate the prescription. Well, Tomorrow I... will be the worst of my life. <laughs> 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 okay. Let's do this. Mm. Doctor, I've got a serious problem. I'm having amazing sleeps, and I can't take it anymore. Please fuck my shit up.
1: Hamza, I'm glad you came to me. I have to say, as a professional that cares about you sucking at life, <laughs> you need to understand that sleep is not important. Hmm. Diet's important? Sure. We get that. Exercise? Makes sense. But sleep is is not necessary out the window yeah Yeah. think about you know jocko willink as an example how many hours does he sleep like one
0: (laughs) yeah and it it would appear so he's an
1: author he's a speaker he is a great father so think about your life and all the things that are going well imagine you only got one hour maybe two hours and you had an additional six seven in your life what could you do with all that time that's
0: a good point yeah
1: yeah, so think about all the things that you'd want to be doing, you're not able to do. I highly recommend you don't sleep. I think there was a time in my life where having a routine before bed was really important. I would floss and brush and I would meditate mm-hmm. and I would journal and then read and then I would be able to fall asleep. And I've found that ever since I stopped having a routine and I would scroll Instagram and I would check my Facebook, and I would message people and be having communication. You know, like one, two, three a.m., exactly. That's exactly what you need in order to fuck your shit up. (laughs) (laughs) Lots of blue light. Uh, If you approach it that way, Mm -hmm. of not worrying about the next day and focusing on getting everything you can out of this moment, then I guarantee you, you will wake up the next day, you will be exhausted, unproductive, won't be able to focus, be irritable mm-hmm. your friends and family will start yeah. to hate you sounds pretty good yeah yeah, if that's what you're striving for, it sounds like you're in a position where everything's going well. <laughs>
0: God, you know, can you imagine if we only had this segment cut for the entire podcast, got rid of everything else? And we ideas just, in action, everybody. <laughs> I feel like for April 1st, whenever that episode comes around, we should do like a total inverse of an episode, episode called Ideas into Inaction. That's, um, not, a, or that's, or not, a, that's not a bad action. idea because
1: for some people, if you give them always what to do, and they don't see the inverse, which is what not to do. Yeah. They they don't they don't have that that connection. As an example, one of the things that I'm one of the projects I'm working on right now is called the Depression Blueprint, mm. and it's not how to be how to thrive. It's all of the shit that if you do this, you'll fuck your shit up.
0: Well, you talked about that a lot. I mean, you you've talked about wanting young people, millions of students across the country, to learn yeah. from your mistakes. Mm-hmm. And it's so interesting because I feel like my ideas about depression are changing all the time. I yeah. now think that, you know, for the most part, when you do experience depression, it's almost involuntary. Nobody wants to enter into that state. Mm. So you made some mistakes that led ultimately to your depression. But I wouldn't say that depression itself was something that you brought upon yourself or am I am I wrong here? Like, What was your role in bringing about, if at all, the some of the darkest days of your life? My role in
1: my depression was making bad decisions. And I don't know if you know Jim Rohn. I do, yeah. Jim Rohn, one of my favorite quotes by Jim is that success is just a few simple disciplines practiced every single day. Yep. And the inverse of that is failure is just a few simple mistakes made repeatedly on a day-to-day basis. Mm-hmm. And when I look back to my my high school experience and that descent into depression it was just bad decisions made every single day that at the time didn't seem like they were significant but what happens when snow starts to pick up as it rolls down a hill it gets bigger and bigger and it gains momentum you can't stop it and then all of a sudden it's an avalanche and i felt like once you get into the position where those bad decisions have momentum it is extremely difficult to alter your path
0: do you feel like you've ever hit rock bottom? Do you feel like you've ever been to hell?
1: Yeah, there's a Warren Buffett quote that talks about the like the chains of habit. They're too weak to notice until they're too strong to break.
0: Say that one more time. That's fascinating. Yeah, chains of uh, habit are uh, too just weak probably, to notice?
1: Yeah, they're too weak to notice until they're too strong to break or too strong to do anything about them. Wow. Yeah, it's great. It's powerful. When you get into that place, I've definitely hit rock bottom, and people ask me a lot. And you know, we both know Juan Bandana as well. Like those those types of people, where in your life they're always positive, they're always enthusiastic, they always have high energy. And this is, a, uh, you know, it's trite and cliche at this point, but you can't appreciate the the great things about life until you've experienced the suffering and mm-hmm. the pain. I've definitely been in a really dark place. But today, I have a lot of gratitude for the way that my life's going, and it makes it very difficult to experience those negative emotions because I know how bad it can be.
0: It's very clear to see that you're living life to the fullest. So I follow you on Instagram, the 5AM Hustle. I would encourage all the listeners to follow you as well and be inspired by the life you're living. But you talked in one of your talks about uh, not not wanting to get up out of bed some days, Mm -hmm. that you were so depressed. You hit such a low that Mm -hmm. you just wanted to stay in bed. Uh, How long did that period last in your life? It was about two years two years of waking up every single day saying, I just wanna go back to sleep. I can't do this. Yep. How old were you? Do you remember? Yeah, it was fifteen. Jeez Louise. Who were some of the people that helped you through that tough time in your life? Yeah, I appreciate the opportunity to give
1: gratitude. I'll start with the context around how I got there. Please. And I think it's like it's not unique in any way and at the time you feel like you're the only one going through that experience. It's so far from the truth. There's people that wake up every single day, and they don't want to go to work, but they have responsibility, and they have reasons why they need to go, and so they do that. For me, there wasn't a compelling reason to wake up, and so you could see why it was so easy to be anchored to my bed, but we talked about being an athlete. Uh, At one point, I was high energy, enthusiastic, charismatic. I had friends, and parents that I really loved and I was really engaged with life I had a traumatic experience when I was in grade 8 where a close family friend uh, in Bradford took their own life it was really traumatic and trying to cope with what does this mean and what what do I do about this uh, challenging to say the least I'm now transitioning into grade 9 which for every single student, it is a difficult transition. Depending on the context mm-hmm. you hold, you're going in and you have to make all these new decisions. Yeah, Who am I going to hang out with? Am I going to go to class? Am I going to study? What am I going to focus on? Am I going to do drugs? Like, There's so many possibilities that didn't exist when you were in elementary school that now you have to cope with and mm-hmm. you have to make decisions on and And looking at that time in that vulnerable place I look back and I realize that Jonathan made all of the wrong decisions I decided that I would hang out with the wrong guys that I would do drugs that I would not study and I would quit the things that matter to me like athletics and now you can see after making all these decisions this snowball effect where over At the beginning, it's not a big deal, but over time, it weighs on you.
0: Yeah, the chains are now too hard to break.
1: Very difficult. So I'm like 15 years old, and I'm starting to erode my self-image and my self-esteem, and my smile's gone, uh, my energy's gone, I'm eating the wrong foods, I'm not sleeping. We can see where where this is going. And uh, when I started skipping class to sleep, that should have been the biggest sign that there was a real problem. And a lot of parents, they do not know what to do when their children are experiencing uh, mental health issues. Mm -hmm. And so it went on for about six months. I wouldn't say my parents didn't know about it because they were prompting me to wake up, they were trying to help me out. It got to a point where now I don't go to school, now I don't do homework, I don't have any friends, And like I mean, for those for full transparency, I'm I'm hitting eight bong hits a day. Mm -hmm. And my parents say, finally enough's enough. They bring me to the doctor's office, and I'm diagnosed like that same day with clinical depression uh, and anxiety. It wasn't anything that we didn't know, but at least with that that call out we were able to try to progress i would say it was probably another year and a half before i really started to feel like my life was transitioning into a positive direction but not getting out of bed in the morning is as simple as a symptom of not taking care of the main pillars that you talk about on this show how does someone become productive well we talked about sleep if A student that's listening to this right now is scrolling their Instagram feed at 12, 1, 2 a.m. They can't sleep because of the blue light. Maybe they fall asleep at 4 o'clock, but it's not quality sleep. Mm -hmm. If they need to wake up at 8 o'clock for class, do you think they're going to want to get up? No. No. I didn't have Instagram when I was in high school, but I did have a laptop. So if I'm messing around for a couple weeks... Not falling asleep until two, three a.m. and then I have to make the decision to go to school in the morning. What do you think I'm going to do?
0: It's going to have a snowball effect on everything.
1: Man. I'm going to stay in bed. It's yeah. I'm not getting out of bed. There's no way. And so you sleep in until noon, and then I can't sleep the next night because I slept all day. Yeah, I'm not tired when it's time to go to bed. So what I do, I do the same thing, and these patterns start to to shift all of the all like all of your health. Right now, I don't sleep well. What happens to your cravings when you don't sleep well?
0: Inconsistent to say the least.
1: Totally. I don't want to eat high protein foods. No. I want to eat sugar. That's it. Processed foods. That's it. Whatever's gonna you know, get my sweet. Cheeto's tooth. dust. Let's go. Absolutely. And what happens when you're not sleeping and then now your nutrition and diet is all screwed up? You don't have the energy. Your systems get out of whack. You're, you're not producing the right hormones. Your dopamine isn't effective. Mm-hmm. So, like, now we've got these two major pillars of my life. They're like, my shit's totally fucked up. Yeah. And then I don't play sports anymore. Now I'm missing out on all of the benefits for my brain and my body of being active and moving my body and living like a human should be living. Absolutely. And so now these three major pillars, like we're talking about the depression for blueprint right now. None of them are in place. And so I'm not getting out of bed today. I remember literally hundreds of times my dad would be in my room in the morning. He would be up before everyone else and he'd be sitting on my bed and he would say, Jonathan, we're going to school today. Wow. wow. And I would literally say to him, Fuck off.
0: Oh, fuck. God damn.
1: And my dad is the most important person in my life.
0: Yeah, he said that before, yeah.
1: I love him. I respect him. He is the person that's given me every gift that I have today. And I was in such a, a shitty context, such a shitty place in my life, where I was actually going to say to my dad, fuck you, I'm not getting out of bed. And he would do that hundreds of days in a row. Without fail. He would try to get me up. And I owe so much, like I owe my whole life to that man. Mm-hmm. And I do because day in and day out, he didn't give up on me. And eventually, um, we talked about two years of being in this place. Eventually, uh, one shift happened. They started their own business. For a long time, my dad worked as a police officer. Uh, He was employed. And when he retired from his career as a police officer, he went to work in corporate. And then eventually, he retired from there. Uh, it sounds like he's had a lot of careers because he's old as hell (laughs) my dad's 77 this year
0: damn shout out to him absolutely
1: and he's incredible health but when they started their own business and for anyone that's listening that got into personal development there is this unique philosophy that we didn't hear anywhere else because we didn't get it in school there's this unique philosophy that you are in control of your circumstances and when they started this business, it was a network marketing business, which I'm sure a lot of the audience has heard of network marketing before. One of their main pillars is personal development. And so this, this 17-year-old kid who is extremely uncomfortable all the time, doesn't have any energy, doesn't take care of himself, has very low self-esteem, gets picked up and inserted into this environment where everyone's positive, high-energy, enthusiastic, trying to pull the best out of me. And it changes my life because they say you should read Jim Rohn. They say you should read John Maxwell. You should listen to Les Brown. And when the only seeds you're planting in your mind are negative, toxic, that I can't control and change my life, the only fruit that that will bear is rotten fruit. Mm-hmm. I can't live and, th- and thrive with those negative toxic seeds. And I'm now in this new environment where the only seeds planted in my mind is, Jonathan, you're special. You have potential. Yeah. You can get out of this circumstance. You have the ability to change the course of your life. It was that, and then taking very small steps. Lao Tzu said the journey of a thousand miles begins with how many single
0: steps? Single step. Really? Single step.
1: So I go back to the gym and I do a workout. It feels pretty good. So I do it again. Uh, what happens when you work out is you're tired. And so I can't spend as much time on the computer at night because I'm fucking tired. Yeah,
0: your body's clamoring to go back to sleep and exactly, start all over to again. To recover.
1: And when you pick up disciplines, it has the ability to shift everything else in your life. 100%. You don't have to choose fitness as the discipline that will shift everything. You could pick whatever you want, but it's the commitment to that discipline that changes your life. Because if I choose exercise, then I am going to crave vegetables. I'm gonna crave quality nutrition. I'm going to be more tired. If I focus on sleep, I'm gonna have the energy that I need to exercise. If I choose healthy food, I'm going to produce the hormones that are gonna make my body feel good. It doesn't matter what you choose. I could learn guitar. And that could change my whole life. But it's a commitment to a discipline. And when I was 17 years old, they put me in that position where I was around this incredible environment. They told me to read good books. It started feeding my mind in a positive way. I decided to go back to the gym. I craved better food. I wanted to sleep. And then eventually uh, I realized through probably Jim Rohn was the biggest influence on me early on that I had the ability to set the sails Yes, absolutely. I'm not, I can't control the wind, but if I set the sail correctly, then I am now the creator of my circumstance.
0: Wow, 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 wow. Jonathan, I whew, I was just getting chills the entire time you were recounting that for several reasons. I think what you've done is you've given me the most um, – detailed and and, and nuanced understanding of of the self-healing, the self-recovery process through depression, which echoes my own journeys as well. Anytime I have fallen into bouts of depression and with much more focus as I've gotten older, I know that the way out now is by reconstructing those habits that will put me in the optimal baseline to then build on top of. Because I know my version of hell is I just give up everything. I slip into a state of constant procrastination. Yep. I let everything go. I let the business suffer. I let myself suffer, my health, my family, my friends, my relationships, all of that. Absolutely. But it's about intentionally creating constraints and putting braces on my life to keep me focused, to keep me on a path towards success. And I love the point about you know talking yourself into things versus planting those negative seeds. Mm. Um, as somebody, you know, myself, I lack a lot of natural confidence. What I have to do every single day is wake up and tell myself, like you said, I'm special, I'm great, I deserve this, this is good for me. I have to talk myself into things. I can't underscore the importance of positive self-talk enough, but let's go into routines, man, because mm-hmm. the listeners right now are probably sharing the same sentiment that, that I'm sharing right now, that I have right now, which is, I have an understanding of strongly what failure, what rock bottom, what hell looked like for you. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about the specific things that you do now to build up a routine that allows you to be the peak performer that you are for all the things that you're doing, man. You're an account exec at Fix Software. You have your writing that you're doing. You have a podcast that you're working on. You're always on the road speaking right now. You're truly giving your gifts away you've realized your gifts and you're giving them away so let's let's talk about what we call the performance point segment in this podcast where we break down how you spend your time your energy and your attention and what we've done in the past is we've typically asked three unrelated questions for each of these but we're changing the format to be more streamlined but also more 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 focused on diving deep into one aspect of each so we're going to start with time and I want to understand for the listeners and myself what does the first hour of your day look like so we know how to fuck your shit up mm-hmm. but how do you how do you unfuck yourself how do you how do you have the best morning possible
1: for a lot of the listeners this will be anticlimactic because <laughs> the entire first hour of my morning is exercise
0: and why do you choose an hour versus 45 minutes 30 minutes
1: if i am really you know constrained on time i can go for a 20 minute walk but the routine that I need to do in order to build the foundation for my core and my shoulders and my back and all the injuries that I've experienced, I need that much time. Like I, I spent, I was in the gym this morning, and I went dancing last night, and Ian and I were like literally tearing up the dance floor for at least four <laughs> hours, at least four hours, and like I woke up feeling banged up, things were out of alignment. I knew that I shouldn't have gone that hard, but it's when you're on the dance floor. It's one way to celebrate life is to dance. Amen. And so I woke up and I knew that I needed to do certain things. Like my obliques felt really messed up. And like I said, I haven't touched a weight since I started pers- my tra- personal training. So it was literally uh, 30 minutes of warming up my hamstrings and my glutes and my core, the things that I need firing for when I start to build on top of those. And then the other movements are very simple. I don't move very much but it's a lot of breathing through uncomfortable positions so that I get I regain the connection of my fascia and my tissues. I just need that much time. Like if you if you have no injuries and you wake up in the morning and you want to do 100 push-ups, sure. you know, 50 pull-ups, uh, a bunch of air squats, yeah, and that's that enough for you to really get the blood flowing, oxygen to your brain, your body feeling yeah. expansive, well, you're feeling confident, max, yeah. and then you, most importantly, fulfilled on a discipline in your life, mm-hmm then so be it. If, yeah. if Robin only needs 20 minutes, then I wish I could use, I wish I could only do 20 minutes. Totally. I just, I personally need more time. And and so I, I give myself the time that I need.
0: I love it, man. Have you heard of Robin's 90-91 uh, rule? I haven't, no. Oh, dude, check this out. So for the first 90 minutes, for 90 days in a row, work yep. on one thing. Okay. And usually that one project that you've put on the back burner for the longest time, dude, yep. any of the major projects in the last five years of my life have come as a result of that. Cool. Heck, including the book, The Burnout Gamble, which was like 90 days, 90 minutes, the fir- at the start of every day, I, I wrote. That's all I did. i just yeah. wake up and I would write. But it usually followed a period of exercise because I noticed that mm-hmm. waking up and jumping into that project right away isn't as uh, rewarding as if you were to stack it first with the workout, get the workout out of the way, and then feel that rush of all that perfect cocktail of – Um, of of, uh, chemicals that go through your brain as a result, right? Absolutely. So do that. I want to go back to to you talking about dancing the night before, man. You strike me as somebody who doesn't have a lot of time wasters in your life. And if you do, they're very intentional. Mm -hmm. Or are there things in your life right now, are there things in your calendar that uh, sometimes creep up in there and you would consider to be a time waste? How do you define what that is? One of my major struggles
1: is deciding what to prioritize Mm. you can only spin so many plates at the same time and when you decide to spin more plates you water down those outcomes and those projects you're working on and you'll inevitably drop a few yeah and so for me i'm trying to be really effective in a few things for a short period of time i love how you said 90 days it's a season yes season of life is 90 days approximately yeah. quarters yeah. you know there's four quarters in the year. I'm about to restart the podcast season two in the spring. Boom. It's a great time to plant new seeds. And so that's what I'm going to be doing over the course of the next 90 days given March is about to end. I haven't touched or thought about the podcast in over six months, and no part of me is upset that I didn't touch it because it wasn't a priority at the time. It's not that podcasting isn't a priority, it's that at that time I had higher priorities. One thing, you know, for full transparency, my girlfriend and I of 6 years we were on and off for uh, you know 6 years we we broke up once for 8 months. Mm-hmm. We broke up in July. And so I needed to make a decision on how important are uh, relationships with romantic partners. And how does that fit into Building my health back, spending time with my family, my career at Fix, my spiritual life, wanting to become a public speaker, all of these different pillars that I consider important to me. And I decided for 30 days uh, to 90 days it was going to be really important. And so I went out on a lot of dates and I met a lot of women Mm -hmm. and I had a great experience. Uh, A lot of those relationships are still important to me but I like to think of it as sprints because personally, I won't stay. And again, we talked about obsession at the beginning. If you decide one thing is going to be your one thing and you know and you see that vision of yourself of being on top of the mountain for that one thing, then you need to be able to do that for more than 90 days. Like You need to commit to years and years and years and years of focused energy on that. But for me right now at 24 years old, I'm trying to develop... Uh, worldliness we talked about at the beginning i'm working on gravitas one of my mentors said you're in your 20s in your 30s is a great opportunity and this is again this is just a unique sure. perspective your listeners may disagree and i'm I'm totally open yeah, yeah. to them finding what works for them but for me it's I'm I'm in my 20s I want to experience as many unique opportunities as possible and really taste all the things that I could potentially want to do for the rest of my life Yeah. so podcasting is fun Boom. writing is fun yeah. public speaking is great totally. meeting women is awesome yeah, going dancing is great yeah. traveling learning guitar right now like all these new things I don't know if I'm going to play guitar forever but no. I'm going to give it 90 days of real focused effort to see if it's something that I want to do yeah, for the rest of my life I don't know if that answers your question
0: no it does perfectly man I look back in my own 20s I turned 30 very recently and uh, I think I'm turning 31 or 32 this year I can't even mm-hmm. remember but I just <laughs> remember looking back in my 20s and thinking that was a great time for making mistakes yes didn't make a lot of money in my 20s, <laughs> 30s are where the money's being made, but okay. you know your 20s are for making mistakes. And you know, I don't want to look at it as mistakes as the primary thing that needs to be made. It's experiences, yeah. it's putting yourself outside of your comfort zone, saying yes to everything until you possibly can so you can taste the thresholds mm. of what is possible with your life, personally, professionally, academically, physically, emotionally, spiritually, just go all out in your twenties, man. Absolutely. But of course, do that in a very measured way, which is a good segue into the second part of this about energy. Yeah. How do you decide when it's time to rest and recover? So you took a season off from podcasting yeah you recovered for that one season you rested for that one season now you're going back into it you're treating it almost like going to the gym in some ways Mm. like you have these periods of intensity these sprints that you talked about but then you stop how do you I mean what are the mental gymnastics that go into deciding when to rest and recover I'll
1: argue with you that in the season of doing the podcast I had more energy than I do today because my life was so structured That I knew what time I was waking up, I had the entire day planned, everything was in the calendar, I knew when the podcast recording was, I knew when I was going to be doing public speaking gigs, all that. And then I knew exactly when I was going to go to sleep, because it was scheduled, I had an alarm to start getting ready, and then my routine took 30 to 40 minutes, depending on the day. And those nights, I would read one page of a book, and I would be... Out like a light. Out like a light, <laughs> One page. That's it. Today I can read you know, 20, 30 pages before I go to bed yeah, because I'm chapters. wired. Yeah. I don't know what time I'm gonna go to bed because I want to meet people mm-hmm. in the evenings. I'm networking more. I want to go dancing. Yeah. And so like, I was up till 3 a.m. last night, which is something that I never would have done if I was working on these major projects. And so managing energy is incredibly important. When do I know when to reel back a little bit and focus on my health is like you'll if you don't know when you're run down, then you're not paying attention.
0: Yeah. Yes. Pay
1: attention to your to how you're feeling. Yes. Yes. And it's it's it can. I guess it's intuitive depending on the person. But like if you're crushing five coffees a day and it's the only way you're waking up. It's a sign. It's a big sign. You're not taking care of your body, and it's as simple as exercise, sleep, nutrition.
0: Dude, we were talking about Gary V earlier and uh, it's yeah. been cool to see his evolution his maturity and he's talked a lot he talks a lot about self-awareness being a competitive advantage for sure and a knowledge of self which i i would have loved to have heard when i was much younger because when i burned out it was always as a result of a lack of self-awareness mm. i wasn't actually paying attention to the sign my body was sending up red flares every single day being like hey we need more sleep hey we're running low on testosterone hey we can't focus anymore hey your eyesight's getting blurry but my mind was just like, no, you're not enough. Keep pushing, keep pushing through this. And it was just a constant push, push, push versus what I do now, which is an oscillation, like you said, mm-hmm. between rest and recovery. Thank you for using that word. I oh, love dude. oscillation. I love it, man. It's I'm the just... same thing as sprinting and resting. Absolutely. You oscillate
1: between the two. If mm-hmm. you do 90 days of all-out intensity and you only sleep five, six hours a night, you can do that for 90 days. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Absolutely. There's people that do it way longer. Mm-hmm. And there's nothing wrong with that as long as you say – that project was important, that project has a completion, and now it's important to bring myself back to the equilibrium I need to be a high performer again. Because exactly. if you're constantly sleep deprived, you won't notice that your performance is suffering. No, Very difficult to see my writing is 10% worse than it normally is, because it's so subjective. But you say to yourself, I'm run down. If you think to yourself, I'm run down, there is a almost 100% guarantee that your performance is worse. Absolutely. You can't focus. You can't communicate effectively. You're not sharp Uh, And in business and in life. You need to be, uh, it's a a little bit inappropriate, but you need to be up and hard. Yeah. (laughs) I
0: couldn't agree with you anymore, You need to
1: be up and hard. And the only way to be up and hard is if you're taking care of yourself.
0: It's so interesting you, you said that. Your performance is probably worse if you acknowledge that it's worse. And that's typically what you see with burnout. By the time you realize you're burning out or burned out, it's already been several months since you've been actually burnt out, and in the latter stages, you at that point you need you need some professional help. Yeah, let's bring this back to attention, man, and close out this section. I want to go into the rapid fire. Love attention. I'm so excited, for, so, so excited for that round. You know, that's saying keep your eyes on the prize. Mm-hmm. I want to know what prize Jonathan Andrew has his eyes on. What's that thing you're chasing? What's the North Star? Where where are you headed?
1: Let me let me get to that in a second. Sure, sure. I think attention is really important because. Being engaged with life, but more importantly, now is the number one thing that you can do to be successful. There's no such thing as self awareness if you're not engaged with this moment. I'd say. The number one thing that I've found personally, do you know Brandon Burchard?
0: No, the name is uh, not familiar. Sorry. Okay,
1: if Who you did? know, if you know Robin Sharma, yeah. your Robin Sharma. He <laughs> said Robin. Robin <laughs> Shwarma. Yo, if you know Robin Sharma, uh, ha- I've uh, heard that. Before. I'm a little hungry, so we'll, <laughs> see, we'll see. Maybe I can get some shawarma on the way home. But uh, if you know Robin and you know Les Brown and Jim, yeah, those yeah. guys very similar. Um, he wrote a book recently called High Performance Habits, very similar to the Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. Yeah, Stephen Covey. Yeah, and. Three years ago, when I really started to consider how high performance and productivity could impact my life, that's when I started my full-time job, he said to me, don't look at your phone for the first hour. He said, for the last hour and the first hour, put it on airplane mode and focus on you. And what Darren Hardy calls is controlling the bookends interesting the bookends of your day the book ends of your day because you can control the morning the first hour and the last hour and then everything in the middle you can't really control there's a lot of chaos yeah, you never know what's activity, gonna come up
0: distractions exactly i fucking love that
1: and so that first hour phones on airplane yeah i wake up the alarm goes off i head to the gym i focus on me and those key disciplines i need to be effective but not only effective but again to like to know that there's always the potential for depression looming in the background, right, pulling me towards it, I need to actively move in the opposite direction and consciously move in the opposite direction. And the way to do that, I found for attention specifically, if you, I, for the listeners that don't do this, because it, it, yeah, Jonathan, that makes sense practically. Don't look at my phone, that makes sense. How did you help me out with my morning routine? You said, to fuck my shit up, I should look at all my emails and <laughs> yeah, all my dude. DMs. If you do the opposite, which is no distraction, You'll go through your entire day with more focus, with more energy, with more calm, mental resilience, yeah. with more calm, with higher levels of attention than you ever will. The days where I wake up and I look at my phone, because some days I do, I, I'm literally sitting at my computer at work and I say to myself, why can't I focus?
0: Yeah, you're like a fiend. You're like, what am I going to get my next dopamine rush from scrolling through whatever? right?" Why do I keep grabbing my phone? Yeah. Why do I
1: have to go to the bathroom so much and I can't sit down for 45 minutes and get my work done? The days that I don't do that, the days where I have the airplane mode for the first hour, my attention is so much better. So much better. For one practical tip people are looking for, because that's the whole goal, there's ideas and actions, try that on. Try it on for a couple weeks, and I guarantee you your life will be uh, a lot more I'm trying effective.
0: that tonight, man. I never thought about actually doing that. It's like two hours or an hour before going to bed, go airplane mode, and when yeah. you wake up have that bookend taken care of.
1: Yeah, you have a night routine, right?
0: Yeah, I do. Yeah, so whenever you're about to
1: start your night routine, just phone on an airplane. And then you set parameters and boundaries because if, I don't know if you have a partner, but do, yeah. your, your friends, family, you know, your partner, you say, hey, my phone goes on airplane mode at 9.30 or whatever time it is. Mm-hmm. If you need to reach me, I won't be available.
0: Yeah. Work around that. Maybe
1: if you want to do do not disturb because, you know, there there's the potential for an emergency. Sure. I put it on airplane mode because I don't want to be disturbed.
0: I think airplane mode's the way to go. And I've taken it a step further. I've actually now like recently started experimenting with um, earplugs as well mm. for just complete sensory deprivation while I'm sleeping. Yeah. Fantastic! I've never had. I use sleeps. white noise. Interesting. What, yeah. what do you have a specific app or a device that you use? It doesn't matter. Just like have the the, the voice
1: thing. the the noise is called oscillating fan. So as as if I had a fan in my room yeah. going off. Uh, the reason I did that is because Ian and I, my roommate, have very different sleep schedules. Got you. I wake up early and go to bed early, and he wakes up. Because we live so close to work, oh my God, it's the best thing of my whole life. <laughs> uh, we live five minutes walk from our work. He thing. wakes up at like 8.30 and then walks over to work after showering for nine. Yeah, I'm up at five. And so when I go to sleep, it's like 9.30, 10 o'clock. He's up till 12, 1 And I don't want to listen to him eating food and doing dishes and listening to music and being on YouTube and things sure. of that nature. Makes so sense. the white noise is great. But yeah, I love it, dude. If that works for you,
0: dude, let's close out the section with with the long term goal over here. So you know, division. when all is said and done, when you're walking down that aisle to yeah. pick up your lifetime achievement <laughs> award, what am I gonna read as I'm summoning you to the stage? For right now, and I'm open to the
1: possibility that my purpose shifts. It is to save the kids.
0: Hmm. What do you mean?
1: We talked about before about the mistakes that I had made. What is the, the value in adversity, adversity, suffering, challenge, overcoming obstacles, if not to support other people on overcoming those same challenges, streamlining their approach to overcoming those challenges? And so when I look back at Jonathan in high school, and see the struggles that he went through, and frankly, the needless pain. Because if I had the, the direction, if I had the coaching, if I had the self-awareness to know how to approach those decisions, and I would be able to do that more effectively, then I have no idea where I would be today. I could be you know, 10 times ahead of where I am. I, I don't know. But, so when I look at students today that are suffering with mental health challenges, who are eroding their self-esteem on a daily basis, that have no confidence, that feel hopeless, overwhelmed, that have suicidal thoughts, and taking action on those, it drives me to want to help those kids because I was in that position. I walked through those shoes. I almost made that decision. Where my economics comes from, is my role as an account executive because financially you need to have practicality in your life. From a meaning and fulfillment perspective, I have the youth public speaking that I do on mental health, uh, coaching kids, answering DMs, being, in my opinion, very selfless in that pursuit. It brings me a lot of meaning and joy. And for the next foreseeable future, I see myself dedicating my energies towards supporting those kids.
0: Man, I love it. Are you are you signed with the Speakers Bureau right now? I have no idea. No, dude. Let's not. let's chat after, and uh, I want to find some collaboration opportunities between us and Student Life Network. The work that you are doing, very much in line with the organization and what we're trying to do help as many students as possible. Appreciate navigate that, that difficult journey, the transitions you alluded to from high school through post secondary mm-hmm. to their dream jobs, and what you are doing is is nothing short of remarkable. I think it takes a lot to go out there lay out all of your your battle wounds, lay out your scars, lay out your personal life warts and all and say, this is me, this is where I fucked up, uh, but here's how you can learn from my mistakes. So, man, shout-out to you for finding your gift and giving it away so generously, man. Success
1: without meaning is fruitless, and I don't want to look back on my life and have made decisions about making as much money as possible. Like, I've done... Over a hundred talks in the last three years, and ninety nine point nine percent of them were free. No way. Not because I am not a good enough salesperson to make money. I'm a damn good salesman, dude. You could be making a crushing, a killing on the road. It's that my job at Fix is for financial stability, and then I need to, I need to fulfill my spirit, man. I need to be the guy that Jonathan needed when he was in high school.
0: Oh, dude, I'm so excited for you. Let's chat after the podcast about how, how we can, you know, structure uh, a life where, you know, right now, Fix is paying the bills. Mm-hmm. But I think, dude, you have exactly what it takes for speaking and writing and teaching to be everything that you do. You know, it could be all the meaning and all the income at the same time, too. Brother, let's close this out let's real strong over here. You've just, I mean, I'm, I'm looking at Kwaku right now. This has been a this has been a banger of an episode. Fuckin hey. ne- fucking A. Hey. Let's close this out with a rapid fire round. So 20 questions I'm going to ask you. All and uh, right. what I want you to do is not... think. Stop elaborating. About <laughs> Stop elaborating. <laughs> just boom, 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 yeah. boom. Give us the immediate answer. Ready Great. to go? Absolutely. 20 questions let's with bring the Jonathan Andrews. Mm. Who's got the better club? Jocko's 4.30 a.m. club or Robin Sharma's... 5 a.m. club.
1: It doesn't matter what time you wake up. It matters that you committed to a specific time and then followed through with your word. The quickest way to erode your self-esteem is to say you're going to do something
0: and then not do it. Very interesting. I'm I'm going to sneak in a related 21st question to this. What's more important, waking up at the same time every single day or falling asleep at the same time every single day?
1: I would say if i had to give you an answer i would say falling asleep at the same time every day and the reason why is because i may have some incredibly challenging things that i'm dealing with in my life and like i need to prioritize sleep and so if i fall asleep at the same time like and i need to sleep in again i don't think the 5am hustle as much as waking up early is really important the important thing is that i did what I said I was going to do. Building your self esteem is about speaking and then having your actions align with those thoughts. And with those words, mm-hmm. and so if I fall asleep at the same time every single day, that's fantastic. If I need to sleep in today because the last day was crazy or the last week was crazy, it doesn't matter. I should I should take that time to be able to do that. You talked about burnout. The yeah. Quickest way to burnout is to not sleep enough. Yep. And so if I need to sleep in, that's great. I'll I'll set my alarm for seven. But what happens when I set my alarm for seven? I wake up at seven. Exactly. The five a.m. hustle is a mindset more than a uh, a box that yeah, I have put myself. Prescription.
0: In. Yeah. Got you. Last book you've read?
1: The last book I've read, uh, I'm reading a book right now. I'm actually rereading a book by you. Keith Ferrazzi called um, Never, Never Eat Alone. Never Eat Alone, yeah. But the last book I finished was Closed Loop. Oh, uh, that it's by? a book called uh, Triangle Selling. What's so, Triangle Selling? Really triangle like? Selling. So I am in sales full-time as my career, and we had some consultants come in a few months ago about – sales fundamentals and having a proper framework for sales and we had to read that as homework before they came in so that we would get as much value as possible out of it and if you're in sales full-time sales uh, triangle selling is fantastic
0: love it what's a podcast you regularly listen to
1: I'm in a season of my life where it's not important to me I've been listening to a lot of music and exploring uh, different tastes and genres right now I'm on a Tash Sultana kick I don't know if you know Tash Cantat. No, it's, no. it's indie music. She went crazy viral on Facebook for a song called Notions. Okay. The reason why she's so amazing, they call her a one-person band. She does looping. So she'll do 10 seconds of an instrument and then she'll start to build on top of it. She wow. plays like 12 different instruments, very similar to a guy named FKJ. Don't know. If you yeah. like FKJ? No. Uh, he's fantastic. I I recommend you look up both of them. I love
0: the concept of it though. The mu- so. oh,
1: the music is amazing. Like when you talk about an obsession, dedicating your entire life to only music because you want to be you maybe they're just called to it yeah they have no other choice it's possible but if i had to choose a podcast that i really like i would say i pick and choose from joe rogan's podcast and the ones i think will be interesting i never listen to every single episode like yeah. i never listen to every single episode of tim ferris yep. i chose the ones that i thought would be valuable at the time i like just in time learning
0: mm-hmm. same if yeah. i need something i'll i'll listen to it right then and there Right then and there. Very good. What's something people always get wrong about depression? One thing.
1: One of the major things that people misinterpret about depression is that mental illness and mental health is the same thing. Hmm. They often get sandwiched as one philosophy. It's like it's one challenge, but it's they're very distinctly unique every single person that you talk to and you interact with on a day-to-day basis has mental health. Yes, It's the same as physical health. If you cut your finger, you start bleeding, you would take care of that immediately. If you have mental health challenges, if you're struggling or in crisis, you should be addressing that immediately. Uh, Where mental illness is unique is it's something that impacts your mental health. And that's really important for anyone that's listening that has ever been diagnosed with a mental illness or does, get diagnosed with a mental illness, there is so much hope for them to have perfect mental health. There's four, we, in with Jack is a charity that I, I volunteer with and do a lot of public speaking with. They segment mental health into four different categories. It's healthy, stressed, struggling, and crisis. Oh, wow. And you could have a mental illness like schizophrenia, uh, clinical depression, PTSD, OCD. You've, you could be prescribed as you know that's the label uh, that's what you're experiencing but you could still have healthy mental health because you found the coping mechanisms the support structures right the routines and disciplines that help you feel healthy so there's a uh, there's a huge disconnect there and a lot of people that see someone with mental illness say there's no hope for their mental health because they think it's the same thing and a lot of people that think uh, mental health doesn't impact me because I've never been diagnosed with a mental illness that's not true
0: great answer man uh, switching it up a little bit. What's your favorite album of all time?
1: Favorite album. This is gonna be really like potentially dark, but when I was in high school, I listened to a lot of angsty music. One of the bands being System of a Down. Oh, I
0: saw you post last night, man. Yeah,
1: and uh, my grandpa's in the in the hospital right now, and so sorry to hear, brother. Thank you. I uh, when contrast is so important so for me to experience we talked about like high energy enthusiasm gratitude I need to remember and remind myself of what it was like to be in high school and so I very often revisit System of a Down when I need to invoke some negative emotions yeah.
0: intentionally contend so with them wrestle with them yeah
1: the worst thing that I can do is to sweep it under the rug oh. and oh. not experience them like I was crying yesterday listening to the album being Toxicity yeah. by System of a Down of course. because I I brought that upon myself knowing that I'll be able to move past it if I address it. And so I used that music to invoke emotions. I don't know if you've ever met Marcos Mendoza.
0: No, I haven't. No. But
1: one of the things I talked about with him was he loves music. He creates music. He does very uplifting performances. You should have him on this podcast candidly. To, yeah. And he I asked him, I said, I, I'm drawn towards some music that makes me feel bad. And he said, Good. Yeah. He said, use it. And then when there's times where you need to move yourself in a positive direction, you can listen to the music that would do that. So I would
0: say "Toxicity" by System of Down. So good, man. I've been meaning to revisit that album, man. Just uh, an album that I discovered too young in life. Yeah. I, I liked for one particular reason, just for the visceral emotions from it. But yeah. as I get older and I reflect on the lyrics now, I mean, Serge was an absolute <laughs> fucking poet. Man. Incredible. My goodness.
1: Yeah, and with with their music, I've never because I like we talked about at the beginning public speaking and the connection it has yeah. with music. If you listen to the amount of contrast that they have in their songs oh, from God. the volume to the pitch to the pace yes. to the rhythm. I mean, Chop Suey
0: is the perfect synthesis of all their musical genius.
1: It's incredible. So good. It's incredible. And so, like, when I listen to music now, I'm like, well, how does that relate to all the other things in my life that I care about, like public speaking and dance and things like that? Yeah. You can see the connection, and they do that so well that I'm drawn. I love it, man. This that. is I'm good.
0: To it. What's a game changing book that everyone should read? first thing that comes to love, mind. I've
1: learned a lot of really good books. I think one of the books that I keep getting drawn to is Psycho-Cybernetics by Maxwell Malt. He was a plastic surgeon, and he was trying to understand why he would do surgery on some people, and it would shift their entire perspective on themselves and their self-esteem and their self-image, and then he would do it on others, and nothing would change. And so he tried to find, because obviously the physical appearance well, wasn't what was changing people's self-esteem, it was their perception of who they were as a person. And so he dove into the neuroscience of how do I change someone's self-image? And that was basically where your word comes into play Mm -hmm. and how if you commit to a discipline and you speak what you're gonna do into the world and then you follow through with that, it's an amazing way to build self-esteem self-image and another way to do that is to take on new skills because if nothing in my life is working right now but i decide that i'm going to be the best bottle flipper in the world and i'm going to (laughs) land every bottle flip that i ever do and then i work towards that and making progress towards that i'm getting better at it it's a terrible example no
0: it makes perfect sense but rock with it
1: you will now develop your self image that I have expertise and skill set in course, something. It's so important, man. You keep building skills and it could be whatever you want it to be. It really doesn't have to be that practical. It could be juggling. It doesn't matter.
0: Absolutely. But when you're
1: building skills, it allows you to build self-image. Especially when there's when it's everything shattered, it's fallen away, you're building on sand. In order to build on that concrete, he says, just build skills on whatever you want and then commit to a discipline to learning those skills. I love Uh, it. Cybernetics is an awesome book.
0: Love it, man. We're almost halfway through this. Uh, You mentioned Armin Van Buren is one of your your favorite artists. What's another favorite artist that you have, dead or alive? Lots of... uh...
1: People ask me what type of music I listen to, and I just I just say it depends Everything, on it depends yeah. on the context. I love electronic dance music recently yeah, yeah, yeah. because I find I'm so uh, the the rhythm to the actually dancing to that music is so easy. I mean, they call it EDM for a reason. Yeah. electronic dance music. Dance music yeah, I love dancing to EDM. So like, I love Rez. I love Armin van Buren. I love Above and Beyond. I love the DJ Zoo. Incredible music, great EDM. If I'm thinking of like. More of like heavier music. I like System of Down. I like Korn. I like Mudvayne. I like Linkin Park. I like all that stuff. Uh, More indie style. Ched Faker's awesome. Um, Tash Sultana's incredible. FKJ is amazing. Uh, Like, yeah. It's good. You keep going, man. But I feel like like, you've given us enough here. I like hip hop too. Hip hop's awesome. I probably listen to that the least. But when I do, give me some Drake in here. Why not?
0: Why not? Let's go for it. Last movie you watched?
1: I don't watch a lot of movies. Interesting. I don't. I, w- I want to I wanna watch more movies. I haven't found the the time to commit to that. I would say one of the movies that I really like is Gladiator. Can't
0: go wrong with Gladiator, man.
1: Yeah. Gerald Butler. I find it extremely entertaining. Yeah. I love the storyline. I love to see and imagine myself of like, holy crap. I can't imagine if I was in the Colosseum totally. uh, with tigers and lions running around me and then the possibility of death yeah. like at every moment. Have you
0: ever been back to the motherland? Have you been to I've never
1: been to Italy. Oh dude. I would love to go. It's a sad story. When I was the year I was about to go, my one of my nonos passed away, oh, no. so my family didn't go that year. My entire family has gone. It was like a rite of passage when you graduated from high school you would go and it didn't work out but I'll, I'll go for
0: sure I'm excited for you to be in the gladiator and, and, and the coliseum, in the coliseum. And, and to really experience it yeah, they actually have to a live tour it. that's a gladiator themed tour when yes. you go there man so exciting your favorite childhood TV show favorite
1: childhood TV show I watched a lot of Disney yeah
0: Disney growing up which and, shows in particular and I
1: transitioned I just like the, the regular stuff like uh Zack and Cody. Yep. Uh, raven. Like, yeah, for all the millennials that are here, they, that's a Raven. Like they, oh, yeah. they watched all that stuff. I mean, I remember watching Impossible, like all yeah. of those Disney shows. <laughs> and then I transitioned to, and I'd probably say if I was to choose shows that I really enjoyed and got a lot of value out of, a lot of Food Network
0: Interesting, man. So while the rest of us were watching Dragon Ball Z and Pokemon, you were I watching watched I watched Dragon Ball Z, I watched, Live,
1: bam. I watched Dragon Ball Z, Pokemon, all that stuff. Like I would love to be Trunks. Trunks is a Yo, sick character from Dragon Trunks, Ball Z. Yeah. I would love that. I'd love to have that sword. But uh, the Food Network, because I felt it was like at a time in my life where it was like really practical. Yeah. And when I started going back to the gym heavily, I started to cook all my own food. Nice. I started to do meal. I've done meal prep on a weekly basis for the last five years. You did it before it was cool. I did it before it was cool. Yeah, I'm an OG meal prepper, yeah. for sure. <laughs> I, honestly, I was just like, Mom, you're making too much pasta. Yeah, I don't want any pasta anymore.
0: Can't fit into my shirts anymore. What's I know, exactly. Yeah. What's uh, What's one thing a person needs to be happy?
1: A powerful relationship with their word.
0: Okay. What's your favorite thing about public speaking?
1: My favorite thing about public speaking is the interactions
0: afterwards. And what's your least favorite thing about public speaking?
1: It's very nerve-wracking.
0: Yeah. There's the possibility
1: of sucking. I would say I've never given a really bad speech, but the days—I don't know if you've experienced this—the days that I fly— and speak on the same day. I'm not the sharpest. Mm-hmm. I can drink as many coffees as I want. For whatever reason, the words aren't connecting how I want them to connect. And so there's the possibility of not providing the value that the students need. Oh, dude! You're and absolutely for right. for falling short on what I know is possible if I show up at 100. percent
0: And even for for me now, even if it's a talk that's happening out of province, like let's say it's happening like just neighboring province, or even if it's happening just like two or three hours away yeah. from here. I'll go the night before, yeah, just to be able to have that five minute commute to the venue and scope it out and feel it out and not be stuck in traffic and mulling over. I know, interesting man. Juan
1: does that and he recommended it to me. Absolutely, yeah. I went to New Brunswick to do a tour last month. I did seven speeches, universities, high schools. The first one was the worst and when i say worst i mean it was a pretty fucking impeccable speech yeah. but the, the rest of them were so smooth and it was completely unconscious you were in the flow i was totally in a flow state Very and it good. was because i had had the time to to ground myself and be prepared
0: dude home stretch let's go for it rapid fire round final six questions what's an app you can't live without google maps Oh, very interesting. No one has ever said that before. What's your boxing or UFC walkout song? Mm-hmm.
1: Wait and Bleed. Bye. Uh, I have to check the artist on my phone. It was on my Spotify recommended songs when I was listening to Mudvayne and Slipknot and Corn. It might sounds like a Korn song. It might be corn, but it was like Wait and Bleed. If you listen to the song and then you get to the last 20 seconds, for whatever reason, they, they waited for the last 20 seconds to give you the best part of that song, and I will listen to that every day when I work Are out. Are you going to
0: see them this summer? They're coming. stage, yeah.
1: I thought about it. I don't know because I already have committed to a lot of concerts this summer. Oh, fair enough, man. Yeah, I'm going to go to Ever After. I'm going to go to Electric Forest. Um, it's going to be an electronic dance music uh, summer for
0: sure. Oh, I'm pumped for you. I'm going to experience them vicariously through your Instagram, okay. man. If you could trade lives with anyone for a day, who would it be?
1: I would do, in, I would intentionally trade lives with Elon Musk to see how sucky it would be to have all of the projects that he has going on. Oh, God, on. yeah. Because you, you have this this idealistic view that his life must be incredible. Yeah, we lionize
0: him, right? He's a a
1: billionaire. He's so smart. He's such an incredible person. He has the ability to impact the world. But like the amount of stress that must go through uh, his body on a daily basis, I can't fathom it. And I don't want to fathom it. And when I look at the the vision of the man that I want to be, it doesn't have that much responsibility. And it's not that there's not people that will be called towards that and we need those people. But mine is going to be having a lot of fun
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And working really hard, and I would love that to remind me that I don't need those things.
0: Makes sense, man. What's the most interesting thing you have in your backpack? Interesting thing.
1: I'm not gonna tell you the answer <laughs> to that question. I do have. I have a date after this. Oh, okay. I'll we'll we'll leave it at that. <laughs> yeah, I, I, it's a it's a bottle of homemade wine. Oh shit! Yeah.
0: I All right, in the, in the true family. Renaissance man here, mm-hmm. man. Yeah. Uh, what's uh, who's a mentor that changed your life?
1: So many, so many. So pick one. Yeah, if I had to out. pick one, I would say the one that helped me become the most open-minded was a guy named Ryan McGurr. And in 2016, when I started my sales job, my goal was to become a better salesman. So I joined Toastmasters for the first time, mm. and he was at the second Toastmasters club I ever went to, and I spoke at the meeting, as you do. And he came up to me afterwards and said, I would love to mentor you. And we went for a coffee that night and that was a pivotal mentorship relationship. Uh, still very close friends with him to this day. And not only has he made me 10 times the public speaker that I ever was, but also just in terms of his philosophy on life and being open-minded. He's the first person that ever opened me up to the word gravitas.
0: Mm. And I think about gravitas every day. So I would say Ryan Gur. Very good, shout out to Ryan. How do you personally define success in one sentence or less?
1: When I'm working extremely hard to have more fun, and when I'm having too much fun, work harder. So it's the balance and striking the balance between those two. Makes I think a lot of sense, yeah. when I see, as an example, let's say you're working 16, 18 hour days and you're going to need to do those, I will say to that person, uh, have more fun. Love it, man. And to the person that's only partying and neglecting the responsibilities
0: of life, I would say take more responsibility on and work harder. Got you. I feel like this uh, question we've already kind of answered over here, but I wonder if the, your, your answer is different. Who does Jonathan Andrews turn to when he's at his lowest?
1: Not Ryan McGurry. Not Ryan McGurry. <laughs> no, I definitely appreciate him for a lot of reasons, but I would say my roommate Ian Gabriel.
0: Interesting. I thought it would have been your pops. Your yeah, it's,
1: it's, the, it's the two. Mm-hmm. I would just say from immediacy of... Uh, how close we are in terms of geography. And like I literally, so this is funny, I literally can't get him out of my life if I wanted to. And you guys are stuck So together. we became really close friends and did our first business together. But when he was looking to move to Toronto, I said, that's awesome. We are at, we have an opening at Fix to come work in sales. I'll put you in and maybe we can see if you can get a job. So he gets a job at Fix because he's an incredible and charismatic salesperson. And then we move in together because we want to be super close to work. And so literally, with Ian, uh, we're roommates, best friends, and where I sit at work, I literally, this is not a stretch (laughs) at all. It's not like I have to turn my head to see Ian. In my peripheral, across from me, I see his face every single day. And so uh, for relationships, for uh, public speaking, for sales, for philosophy on life. I will always be able to turn to him. He's my best friend, and when I'm in my deepest moments, he reminds me that we're all going to die.
0: Boom. Wow.
1: <laughs> he is the guy <laughs> I'm who not expecting that he way. was the he's the guy who says to me every single day, uh, today there is only one March 17th, 2019 ever period.
0: I fucking love that.
1: There's only one, so you better be engaged. You better be up and hard. Yeah, up and hard. It's
0: not going to happen again.
1: Absolutely. You better be getting after. You better you better have that fire lit and be grateful for what we have right now because there's only now. And at the end of the day, at one point, it's all going to be gone.
0: Shout out to Ian, man. Do you think he'd be a good podcast guest? You should definitely bring him on the podcast. Oh, we'll talk sure. after this, man. You I'd love to reconnect him with him, man. Dude, last question for this rapid fire round. I love that we've taken our time with the rapid fire round. Like These are really well thought out answers. I man. don't rapid very fire. <laughs> no, this is good, man. It's a di- different-, I'm, different very, ho- I'm very patient. Different horses for different courses, man. Last but not least, what's the best piece of advice that you've ever received? Because you've been dropping gems this whole podcast. What's the best thing someone's ever told you?
1: I would say fr- recently one of the things that changed my life in a very positive way was embracing dance. Hmm. I always saw dance as this like very uncomfortable pursuit where like I was exposing myself to everybody and the context that I was holding uh, about dancing was very disempowering and then As you can imagine, I spent a lot of time with Ian Gabriel. (laughs) Ian Gabriel loves to dance, and he's an incredible dancer. Like He is one of the best dancers that I know by far. He's very, very diverse in his abilities. And I watch him, and I see him in the bar or the club or wherever we decide to go for the event. And there is no apprehension. There is no anxiety. And he said to me, the reason why is because dance is one way to celebrate life. Dance should be fun. Dance should be an expression of who you are. Dance is a celebration. And so when I started to embrace it, it took some time. I'm, like, I'm uncomfortable on the dance floor for the first couple weeks, first couple months. And now today, if you put Ian, Gabriel, and I on any dance floor around the world, we will absolutely tear it up. Yo. And it's because there it's there's no anxiety. It has nothing to do with what anyone's thinking about us and it has everything to do with like celebrating this moment right now
0: because it's all we have. Wow, man. This is uh I'm I am not even kidding, man. I'm I'm fired up. I'm excited to just do whatever it is I'm going to do after this podcast. Fantastic. Just listening to you has been very infectious, man. I'm your happy enthusiasm here. is just really coming across to myself over here in Kwaku, I'm sure, but also the listeners. I hope that all of you can feel the excitement and the enthusiasm, the thirst for life, the appetite for life that you have, man. Jonathan Andrews, we did it. We crushed a solid hour and a half. I Fantastic. think. Fantastic, uh, man. Where can people find out about what's happening next in your life? I have a website. Okay, it's jonathanandrews.org
1: j-o-n-a-t-h-a-n a-n-d-r-e-w-s dot org and you can find all of my creative projects, that's podcasts it's videos, it's blogs, you can find examples of the work that I do with public speaking and students and then I would highly recommend and encourage everyone to follow my Instagram which is the 5 Hustle. and I think what you'll find is if you scroll through the entire thing, you can see the different phases mm-hmm. of my life. Because there's like three, four there years. There was the Jocko
0: in. phase. I remember seeing the there watch. There is
1: the Jocko phase where my entire life was structured and disciplined and there was no room for flexibility. Yeah. And then there was a time where I was partying too hard. <laughs> and then now you can see a nice balance of I am having fun. I'm working really hard. I'm fulfilling my purpose, and I want other people to be able to have similar experiences of life, of uh, a variety of experience, and really
0: get as much out of it, milk as much out of it as possible. Right on, man. I, I enjoy following you quite a bit on Instagram. Uh, if any upcoming speaking gigs coming? Yeah, I'm going to be in popcorn. Montreal on Tuesday. Boom. What's happening there, man? I got a call last week saying super important gig,
1: and as you know, I mentioned jack.org, Yeah, I volunteer with Jack. And I get only a certain amount of vacation days as everyone does at their job. But again, my calling, my purpose is to be there for the students, and so I take a vacation day. The reason why it's me is because there's a lot of speakers in Montreal that could do that talk, but they have the school board in Montreal for all of the high schools that are going to be at that talk and they're trying to build partnerships to to create what's called chapters and there are school initiatives that they would own their own projects for mental health and represent jack.org in that that respect and so they're they're
0: bringing me out they're flying me out on tuesday i'm taking the day off work and then i'll be back tuesday night love it man i would love to come see you speak man And once the cameras are off let's chat more about uh how we can help each other with speaking stuff man i'd love to see you just go the distance man let's do the message that you have is really powerful uh this has been one of my favorite podcast experiences and i'm sure that the audience uh, would agree that this is one of the better podcasts that we've ever done love to have you back very soon brother Ladies and gentlemen, that was Jonathan Andrews, The 5am Hustle. Go follow him right now, and we'll catch up very soon. Ciao.